As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Andy and coming to you on Tuesday night, uh, we recorded the bulk of our show that you're listening to today on Tuesday afternoon. Shortly after we finished recording on Tuesday, news came down from Florida that they were pausing all football-related activities because of an increased number of COVID positives. And uh, we since saw a report from the Independent Florida Alligator, the student newspaper, that that 19 players had tested positive and definitely putting the Florida LSU game in jeopardy. And uh, Nicole and I talk a little bit about that game on the show. And at this point, we don't know if that game's going to get played. And you may be listening to this on Wednesday, and they may have made a decision on the game already because at this point – Things aren't looking real good. So if the game has been canceled, sorry, you may want to hit the increase by 30 seconds button when I start talking about Florida's defense and LSU's defense and what needs to change because that game may not be played for a little while. So sorry about that. It happens. We also talked a little bit about Dan Mullen's request to pack the swamp. And you'll hear, I I have a a theory about why that was thrown out when it was thrown out after the Texas A&M game. But it also, of course, came back to, to bite him when Florida's operations got paused. And, you know, that's one of those things that, that he might think a little more about what he's saying <laughs> the next time, because that's one of those every, everybody just immediately seized on that, even though Florida's president, Kent Fox, and athletic director Scott Strickland had made it pretty clear as early as Sunday that that was not going to happen. They were not going to have a full stadium at Florida Field, no matter what Dan Mullen wanted. So this is the reality of, of college football during the pandemic. And, you know, you've heard Nicole and I and Ari and I talk about this season. The, the motto of this season is we're just doing the best we can or, hey, there was a pandemic. Well, this is a case where both the mottos apply. Florida LSU, we will see what happens Great detailed analysis of that game in this podcast, at least, you know, a solid minute of it. Might just have to put that in our pockets till December. We'll see. You may know the answer to that by the time you listen to this. I certainly hope we find out on Wednesday. And on to the show. to the 
the Andy Staples Show. It is a power hour day, but kind of a sad, bittersweet power hour day. Nicole Auerbach joins, hence the power and the hour. And we're going to do a power hour here. But Nicole, starting next week, power hour is going to be its own show. It's like it grew up in front of your own eyes, Andy. It's going off to college. All groans and groans <laughs> and groans. That's right. And, and, and I, am, I am very happy. Hopefully, you'll let me come on every once in a while. I, I promise I won't try to eat mayonnaise on your show. Yes, absolutely. Anytime. Very excited. Um, you know, all of our Power Hour listeners will have an extra show to add to the list. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is, we, we started the Power Hour segment as kind of a news thing, but I mean, it, it's, it's coming fast and furious now. I, I remember when we started that, it, it was, everything was COVID related and there, there was no actual football news. And now it's just, it's, it's a little bit of both, but it does feel like everything is, is just sort of coming to place because one week from Saturday, actually, well, one week from Friday, Big Ten football is going to get played. Yeah. It's it, it, it honestly snuck up on all of us a little bit. I think even though, you know, we were all excited. We were like, oh, they're going to play in October. But it feels like we didn't realize how soon it would actually be. And maybe that's because, you know, this year was kind of awesome with all the staggered starts. Like, not saying they should do this every year, but it was like, okay, group of five begins. Nothing about this year has been awesome. But, but no, I But it was I, like, I it, was like it was different steps. You know, it was like, okay, this is the Big 12 day. This is the SEC day. And now we're in Big Ten weekend. You know, like we're, we're moving right. forward. And the SEC kind of snuck up on everybody, too, because we were just trying to watch the ACC and the Big 12 and say, you know, how are they going to do this? How what's it going to look like? You know, are they going to how are they going to handle postponements? How are they going to handle everything? And so by the time we were a few days out from actual SEC football, we're like, oh, my God, like they are playing this week. And now we're at the point where, oh, my God, Alabama and Georgia are playing this week. Well, even some of the like Red River snuck up on us too, right? Like it's just the calendar feels so weird that it's almost like it's like not quite Christmas morning, but you're like, oh wow, like great, Alabama, Georgia this weekend? Cool, awesome. Like we'll take it. Like you're just it's just so out of whack that like it just it's great. It's like a it's just a pleasant surprise. It's it is going to be something. So, let let's Let's do a little power hour one one last time for for the folks before it becomes its own entity. But we, we got to talk because there there is some news that we we need to discuss. When news breaks, the athletics Nicole Auerbach is there. But sometimes so much news breaks that she can only spend one minute on each story. It's time for power hour. All right, we know how the game is played, and Nicole can probably change the rules when it's her own show, but for now, we stick to the one-minute clock per story. Nicole, news broke on Monday that Missouri and Vanderbilt will postpone their football game, tentatively rescheduled for December 12th. This is the first SEC postponement of the season. Do you think it will be the last, and do you think that game will get played on December 12th, or will a game that has import to who plays in the conference championship wind up replacing it? All right, let's start with the second part there, because I I think that's the key. And the way that they said it was tentatively placed there, um, I think is key, because 
at some point you're going to have to just drop certain games. Like certain games are not going to be made up and you are going to have to prioritize the ones that matter for the conference races and for determining the title games. And so, you know, as much as we love Vanderbilt, I just don't think that this is going to be one that's going to have an impact. And so you're going to want to, you know, kind of move those puzzle pieces around and figure out the way to do this that makes the most sense for the SEC title game. Um, this will not be the last postponement. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just the first. Every league so far has had at least one, um, and they're going to continue to happen. The Big Ten has a 21-day period where you're going to be out if you test positive. They're going to have them too, and they have less wiggle room, and you can't reschedule. So this is just, again, another thing that we're going to have to get used to. NFL fans are struggling to grasp the concept right now. Here in college, we are used to postponements and rescheduling. Um, and some games being canceled. So this is just something that's going to happen. It was pretty much telegraphed last weekend when Vanderbilt was barely above the threshold of 53 um, men to to play the game. And, you know, I think that that is just reality. And it's possible that Vanderbilt is going to be hovering on that edge more than once this year if, if they don't have, you know, the same amount of scholarship players as everybody else to begin with. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to get it figured out. And, and now they'll have three weeks between games because they're open – what am I supposed to say? Open date by it's open not a bye week or idle, open or idle, idle week. Idle there week. you go, the idle week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that that week is October twenty fourth for them, so they don't play again until Halloween. So maybe they can have you know with the benefit of time, they'll be ready to go and can finish out the season. Another thing, our our, our friend Ross Dellinger over at Sports Illustrated reported on a, a a proposal for the name, image, and likeness rules actually from the, the, the NCAA, which looked pretty similar to what we saw from, from Republican Representative Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio State, also former Ohio State receiver Anthony Gonzalez. Uh, but for, to kind of give you the Reader's Digest version of it, basically players would be allowed to do ads for almost anything, not quite everything. There would be some restrictions. But in this NCAA one, even recruits would be able to take part in this stuff basically you wouldn't be able to keep anybody from making money off their name uh and this is one of those that the folks have complained about for a long time they went to congress trying to get a more restrictive rule put in place it doesn't sound like they're going to get those restrictions yeah i think what's what's been interesting here is in in a normal year name image and likeness is the biggest story in college sports. Um, but like we mentioned, I mean, there's just been so much focus on playing games, getting through a season. Um, you know, the next thing to figure out is basketball and March Madness and getting through the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and I think that, you know, everyone's been acknowledging that NCAA, the, the name, image, and likeness stuff is happening. It's going to happen. The only real question has been like the timeline because the initial California law was giving kind of like a three-year period of time to figure it out. Florida, you know, kind of pushes that timeline up to next summer. So you've got Florida man waits for no one, Nicole, Florida man. Thank you, Florida man. But it's 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 almost like, you know, you've got these two dueling. It's not almost you have these two dueling paths of trying to do this. It's through the NCAA and legislation or it's through Congress. And you're still going to have them, even though both, you know, both paths are moving forward. Like the NCAA, the, the working group is still Okay. We'll keep going. I know. You just wanted to press the button this time. I love I, pressing the button. I know. No, I, I, but I'm just saying, I, like, I think, like, even if we end up getting Anthony Gonzalez's bill, we will still, you still have to go through the process for the NCAA. And I do think you think you have to think about these issues. Like, 
you know, if the schools deal with Pepsi, can you endorse Coke? Um, you know, can you really, you know, control recruitable athletes? Can you control someone before they sign an NLI or even after that? I mean, like, these are just kind of big picture questions that like those conversations are happening and they were going to happen no matter what. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's all going to be not what the athletic directors and coaches want. And they're going to act like it's the end of the world. And then eventually they'll all figure it out because they like making money and they want to continue to make money. That's basically how everything in college sports works. So well, whether it's well, the transfer rule or this, they'll get it figured out. Well, Andy, and I mean, everyone just likes to act like the, the sky is falling, but it doesn't. Like, remember, we had the same thing about cost of attendance, stipends. We, we talked about gambling, legalizing gambling. Nobody the even end of the talks world. about that anymore. Literally, I, I never hear anything about it. I mean, it was so it's just going to be one of those things that you modernize the system and we all live. We all move on. That's right. Next story. After the Florida Texas A&M game, Dan Mullen said he thought, Texas A&M had a little bit larger crowd than was announced at Kyle Field and that the crowd had made a difference. He also said that he would like for Florida to pack the swamp, his words, uh, because Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has opened everything up in the state pretty much. And if you want to do that, you can. Uh, Scott Strickland, the AD, and the president, uh, Kent Fox of Florida, have said, no, 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 we'll be abiding by CDC guidelines in the, the same restrictions will be in place as we're in place for the South Carolina game. So it's not going to happen. But what, what did you think of, uh, of Dan Mullen's pack the swamp initiative? Well, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised that um, it's only taken a few weeks and coaches are already complaining about competitive advantages and disadvantages. Um, I don't think that we should be using crowds during a pandemic in that way. I think that, um, you know, you've got places that, you know, because of the way their local governments or health, health officials are, like, you're not even allowed to have any fans. We've saw, seen some very, very cute dog cutouts at Boston College, in fact, because of that. So, I, I mean, I, I was just, the guy at Ole Miss with his mouth just hanging wide open. The yeah, out. like, I, sort of, <laughs> I just, I listen, like, I, to me, if you have fans at all, you know, it, that's great and you should be grateful about it and you should, you know, socially distance and, and, and space them out so that you can do it again and that it's not a problem. But I, I just think that, you know, complaining about something like that because someone's allowed to do something that you're not. If, if there's no conference rule, which maybe maybe there should be a conference rule about this, that's all you can really do. This, the, the pandemic's been different depending on where you are from the beginning. So, I mean, to me, I just I, I think it not worth complaining about. And like, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I get that coaches, you know, every I, little thing I have can be an, a competitive I have an advantage. alternate theory, Nicole. All right, let's hear it. I think it was a little bit of pointing and saying, hey, look over there. So people didn't say, hey, uh, coach, how come your defense couldn't stop Texas A&M on Saturday? Well, it definitely did that, whether or not that was the point. Because I, I also think, you know, you, you could genuinely be, annoyed by something like that. These are coaches who like won't even let us witness 10 minutes of practice, right? Acting like that's going to be a competitive advantage problem um, or share, you know, injury updates or whatever, right? So so I actually do believe that there's some sincerity there, but I think you're right. It did distract. We, we're still talking about this instead of how bad that defense well, was and how we, we can really talk about, we can talk about the defense because that is the story of the Florida LSU game is two defenses that were supposed to be much better than they have been, 
that have been absolutely shredded in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Florida, I guess now when you look at Ole Miss in Florida, it doesn't look as bad because Ole Miss did worse to Alabama. But Ole Miss scored fairly easily on Florida's defense. Texas A&M scored very easily on Florida's defense. Meanwhile, Missouri absolutely shredded LSU's defense. And, you know, that that's just not what you expect from a team that is coming off a national title. And look, I know they lost a bunch of players, but I've seen the recruiting rankings. Like, you should still be better. You should still be able to shut down Missouri or at least limit them. Uh, so this game looks, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's going to go to overtime at 70 to 70. It's going to be, it's funny because, you know, our resident Big 12 expert, Max Olson, has made this point. Like, SEC fans cannot make fun of the Big 12, like, at all oh. right now. Like, I, oh. I, I think at least for the entire season at this point. These are Big 12 games breaking out of the SEC country. And Georgia this one, fans still have the right. Everyone else, no. Yes, I will, I will agree with that. Because I, I just think, you know, especially like this game, like you said, I mean, it could be in the 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever. Wouldn't surprise us. You can't make fun of Big 12 defenses. You just, you just can't. And it's funny because I feel like we get infatuated with SEC teams that have great offenses. Like, like we did for a week with the air raid, right? We were more focused on Mississippi State. I'm glad State. we got our air raid stories out when we, when we, we did. did. We did. But it's like we were focused on that instead of, wow, LSU's defense might be, like, really bad. And it's kind of the same thing. You know, like, we can focus on, you know, Andy, you had a story out on Tuesday about Ole Miss's offense, right? You can focus on these things and also be like, well, you know what? Like, Alabama's defense, like, yes, it worked, but also, like, there's some concerns there, right? Like, you you still at some point need to stop people. And it's like LSU-Alabama last year. Like, there's just been these games, and they're they're kind of instant classics because we enjoy offense and we like seeing – certain offensive systems show up in the SEC, but these defenses need to catch up at some point. They do, and I think they... Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Well, so I am curious to watch Arkansas Miss this weekend, which is a, a sentence I never thought I'd hear myself saying about six weeks ago. But I really am curious to watch Arkansas Ole Miss because Arkansas runs a similar offense. Kendall Bryles is their offensive coordinator. Kendall Bryles is the brother-in-law of Jeff Levy, who is Ole Miss's offensive coordinator. They both work together at Baylor. So these offenses come off the same tree. So will Arkansas's defense be a little better at dealing with Ole Miss's offense because they see something like that every day in practice? Yeah, it's a great question. And 
I, I think too, you know, we're, we're kind of recalibrating how we feel about different teams based on week to week, right? Like I think, like think about week one and we're like, wow, Georgia and Arkansas is man, that's a struggle for a half, right? We feel very differently yeah. about both of those teams right now. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be a really interesting question. Um, you know, you've also, you know, obviously a lot of the talking point around what happened to Alabama last weekend was, you know, the familiarity between, you know, Lane Kiffin understanding Alabama's defense. There was the whole, like, mm-hmm. did they steal signs or were we exaggerating about uh, that sort of thing? There's no way they, they well, they could have stolen signs. If they did, it's Alabama's de- signs are too easy to steal. Yeah, but, I mean, I, it was more, I, I think, just the familiarity. Like, they, they figured yeah, out. Those, they, those they, plays were yeah. happening so quickly. There was one sequence where they went from a third down to a fourth down. And Ole Miss lined up in seven seconds. They were lined up and ready to snap the ball in seven seconds. Alabama didn't even have time to signal a defense, much less somebody steal their signs and then adjust the offensive right. call. So, right. I mean, so that- it's, but again, like to your point about familiarity, right? Like that, you know, it, it works both ways where, you know, you are an offensive guy who really understands Alabama's defense. Like that is going to impact how you attack it. Um, so, it, you know, at this point, it's like, well, you know, which teams in the SEC do you really feel confident in? And it, is it just Georgia? Like, like as, a, as a true, well, like, title contender? Here's the thing. I want to see Georgia's defense against Alabama's offense because, you know, we, we were very enamored of Ole Miss's offense, but the fact of the matter is Alabama's offense gained more yards and scored more points. Now, we can say that's only against Ole Miss's defense, but... Alabama's offense has been able to do this to just about everybody. And, you know, I, I, I'll take Mac Jones throwing to, to Devontae Smith and, and, and John Mechie and Jalen Waddell, and I'll take him handing to Najee Harris. There's a, there's a lot of things to like about Alabama's offense. Now, Georgia's defense, if we think about it, it's basically the same guys from last year. The only team that scored on them last year was LSU. So basically... The greatest offense in college football history has had success against this defense, and no one else has. So can Alabama do it? That, I, I think that's the most intriguing question of the weekend. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's, you know, as we, we've been doing on this show each week, we kind of look at the weekend and, and themes and, and different, you know, the, the way that we set it up. And one of them really is this, the questions about these defenses. I mean, SEC Shorts had a great one this week, a great skit about, you know, everyone relearning the basics of defense. But honestly, defensive performances, rebounding from bad ones, or again, like a Georgia, just what we expect to see from them, like that is going to be a theme this weekend because there was no other way to come out of last weekend without being concerned about SEC defenses we are used to seeing be pretty good actually mm-hmm. stop, you know, either the run or the pass or both or whatever, limit people um, because there's just talent and good schemes. I mean, you come out of this with with coordinators kind of on the hot seat. And so this yeah. weekend is absolutely going to be a statement weekend for a number of different teams in different time slots, probably none more than the game you mentioned earlier, which is, um, you know, LSU and, and Florida. Yeah, and Florida. I, I, think, I think that's one where we, we're going to see – who makes better adjustments, whether it's Bo Pelini at LSU or Todd Grantham at Florida? Because the question here is, is it a scheme problem? Is it a personnel problem? Is it a little bit of both? There are always personnel or excuse me, there are always scheme things you can clean up. You know, LSU had had a problem with some secondary folks freelancing. Florida's had a problem with some people on the on the front freelancing. 
you can clean that part up. Mm-hmm. You can't always clean up personnel. Like with Florida, I think they're going with who they got. Now, uh, they've got a defensive tackle named, Ky- named Kyrie Campbell who's been out all season. Dan Mullen mentioned he might be able to play on Saturday. So if they have him, that probably helps quite a bit. That's, that's more depth. That's a starter quality guy who probably would have been the day one starter. So I think that helps. But LSU, the question is, you know, if you've got a guy who's freelancing, do you have a young guy that maybe you put in to replace him? Or do you not, are you not confident enough in the young guy yet to put him in? That's, these are the questions they have to answer. Well, and, you know, I mean, it's never a good thing when, you know, the head coach is saying he's going to get more involved on your, in your job when you're Bo Pelini and, you know, ask you to change some stuff up and simplify. I, I mean, feel it's, like, you know, it's weird. We got all over at Orgeron when he, when he went in on Matt Canada after they lost to Troy mm-hmm. and, well, actually before they lost to Troy when he said, yeah, all this shifting in motion that, you know, the thing that is your offense, don't do that so much. But in this case, Ed Orgeron is a defensive guy. I'm not sure an intervention isn't in order. Because oh, it absolutely should be. <laughs> you, they gave up 600 yards to the Mississippi State offense that scored zero points against Kentucky. Remember, Mississippi State's only points were on a safety. Their offense did not score. So, Bo Pliny might need that little bit of extra help. I mean, look, it's been a while since he's called defensive plays. He's, he, he was the, the D.C. at LSU in 2007. Then he became the head coach at Nebraska, and he's been a head coach ever since. So, well, you know, Andy, uh, Andy, trying to get back in the flow. There's a reason that Dave Miranda was paid a lot of money as well. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, Nicole, trying to figure out how to, to handle watching all these games is, is always a tough task because you never know really how to allot your time. You always do such a great job of explaining to us how we need to set this up. So let's, let's play a little setting up your Saturday because this one especially could use a, a guide. They're playing college football again. That means you've got a lot to juggle. And we're uh, we're going to go to Home Depot. Yeah, buy some wallpaper, maybe get some flooring, stuff like that. Maybe Bed Bath & Beyond, I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. That's why Nicole Auerbach is here to help you set up your Saturday. Um, actually, pretty nice little Saturday. Before we get into the games, I have to say, I have not watched all of Old School in a while. When I pulled that clip to make that intro, it had been a while since I'd heard it. And I remember when I watched Old School in the theater, in whatever that was, 2002, thinking, well, that's so lame. That's your Saturday? And then when I pulled the clip to make the intro a couple weeks ago, I'm like, you know, that's not, that, that doesn't sound like a nice little Saturday. It sounds it, pretty it amazing. Does. It does. It, it, it really is a nice little Saturday. It, unironically, it's a nice little Saturday. Um, but let's add some football to it because it, Please is, do. it is going to be a, uh, a, a great slate. And it's our last one before it gets even more crowded with, uh, with some Big Ten football. Um, and, you know, I think as, as we've been talking about, I think one of the big themes of the day and one of the categories here as you, you plan out your Saturday is about these defenses in the SEC and, and putting a spotlight on them, either to rebound or, or to see what you can get out of them. Um, you know, obviously, we've talked at length about LSU Florida. That's a, a four o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Um, you've also got that Alabama Georgia game at night. I mean, I think, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky early, Auburn, South Carolina, not quite as, you know, egregious and, and not quite, you know, those examples from last week. But I am curious to see 
um, you know, what we see, particularly out of Tennessee, which, you know, that defense kind of, I mean, understand, like, Georgia's got rolling in that second half and pulled away. Um, but that offense, Georgia offense was able to do, you know, a lot of things against that defense that we hadn't seen other teams do to that point. So, again, SEC defense, like, we're not used to putting you on the spotlight for this reason, but you're there this weekend. Well, and especially, I mean, you, then you go into the big one, you know, at 8 o'clock on, on CBS. Can Alabama's defense rebound? I mean, we, we hadn't seen anybody really do that to Alabama except Auburn last year and LSU last year and, and, and Clemson, I guess, in the national title game. But those teams are different They're from a talent profile, as, as Ari Wasserman will tell you. On, on Friday, those those programs are different from a talent profile than Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Like, if Ole Miss can do this to Alabama, you have some questions. So now Alabama has a chance to say, look, that was an anomaly. That was some new stuff. We hadn't seen it before. Don't worry. We'll take care of it next time. But here against this group of five-star athletes, we will make our stand. Yes. And um, just as always, the mailman is just an it elite nickname so we'll see what the mailman does against alabama's defense the photo of him at the camps like the little incredible usps hat (laughs) incredible you know honestly the post the postal service should use that as an ad right now like just go all in (laughs) crossover crossover and how about stetson bennett with the branding that's that's elite branding because phenomenal you remembered him I, exactly. It's a, and, it, and again, an elite nickname. Wish I had thought of it myself. Um, so on another category, now you can help me find a third one here because I've got two that jump out to me, but we got first year coaches that are already turning some heads. Now this is not easy. These are teams that had such a weird off season. Some of them barely had spring practices. Some of them are installing different things and yet we are already getting excited about them. And, and listen, well, maybe maybe it's both sides of this one, but Ole Miss at Arkansas, 3.30, ESPN2. I mean, Sam Pittman, first of all, we know, you know, they got screwed last weekend, should be 2-1, and one, but, like, I'm in. I think that was, you know, now you're like, is that maybe the best hire of the cycle? Yeah, they are coming to play every week, and, you know, we were freaking out the first half of the Arkansas-Georgia game going, oh, man, maybe, maybe Georgia secretly stinks. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Maybe Sam Pittman had the hogs ready to play. Mm -hmm. And listen, this is one of those hires. We all universally respected Sam Pittman as as an offensive line coach, but we didn't know what he would be as a head coach. And I'm not sure anybody did. And, you know, it's weird because you get these guys that haven't been coordinators and you think, okay, well, what's going to happen? Is it because it's going to be dependent on who you hire and your vision for the program. But I will throw something out at you. Ed Orgeron won a national championship last year. Never, never a play caller. Dabo Sweeney, owner of two national titles, his team's in the playoff every year. Never a play caller. Hmm. You can do it that way. It is possible. Yeah. And like you said, it matters who you hire. Um, and, you know, obviously, and who you get. Uh, you know, transfer quarterback makes a big difference, too. So, so that's one team I think, you know, I think we, we have been very impressed with early. Obviously, we talked about Ole Miss and what they were able to do with the roster they inherited offensively. So that's one game. And then I will give you another game with a first-year coach already turning heads, Boston College at Virginia Tech, 8 o'clock, ACC Network. Jeff Halfley, I mean, I thought it was a great hire right out of the gate in, in the first place. And obviously he didn't walk into, you know, a terrible situation. But I think this is going to work out really well for BC. 
Yeah, and it feel it feels like the right fit for BC too because you have to have a certain mindset at BC. Mm-hmm. You're not going to to come in there and get a bunch of five star athletes. You have to be a developmental program, and the way they're winning games looks like the way BC should win games. I mean, it it, it feels sustainable, and you know they played North Carolina very tough. That they, they pushed North Carolina to the limit, and. I think I think there's some good things happening there. Now I, I'll throw another first year coach at you, Nicole. Mike Norvell at Florida State. You know, we mm. were <laughs> we were not real keen on on the job that was being done at Florida State. Now I will say they showed some signs of life at Notre Dame last week. It's the first signs of life we've seen seen from them all year, really. Now they get North Carolina in Tallahassee. This is. A big test. I mean, if, if you are not ready, North Carolina is going to shred your defense. So can Mike Norvell get his team back up after, again, they showed signs of life, and, and Mike Norvell very correctly went the, we don't do moral victories here, I don't care, we're supposed to win, we're Florida State. That's the way you're supposed to handle that. But can he keep them kind of moving in a better trajectory against another great ACC opponent? Yeah, that's it's it's definitely a valid question. I like how the threshold is signs of life for uh, for one first year coach. Which again, there have not to, been. Yeah, they were going to lose to Jacksonville State. For I, I I watched way too many snaps of that game. So yes, I I agree with you. Uh, we've got two more quick categories for setting up your Saturday. Um, we will go. Let's go group of five. I mean, this is a big group of five weekend. There were barely any group of five teams that played last weekend, and some of that was due to. Um, you know, cancellation. But, but you know who did play, Nicole? The Houston Cougars played. They are back. They are playing and part of the 2020 season. And, and it was it was crazy because it was like the it was like the off season slash preseason happened in microcosm in that game. Like they looked terrible at first, and then they just kept rolling. You know, a little bit better every time they got the ball, and then by the end they were just rolling. Yeah. I mean, it was, again, it's, it's like what you just said. For some of these teams, we've seen them over four or five weeks now to go through that progression, and they did it in one game. Um, so they are back. But we got a lot of group of five games. Uh, you know, obviously, we got a couple during the week um, prior to Saturday that are going to be pretty good. Um, but you've got some like UCF Memphis. I mean, that's been a big game for the last however many years. Um, so there's some big uh, just group of five games. Cincinnati, Tulsa, Tulsa, you know, they've got Tulsa's UCF already taken numbers. out UCF. Mm-hmm. So that's a noon game. Like I said, um, you know, and then you've got Army UTSA could be a lot more interesting than I think people would have thought a month ago. Um, so we've got some there's going to be, you know, some good shine on some of these group of five teams. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. 
Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I, I agree. And I really think the the Cincy Tulsa game could be very interesting just because, you know, Tulsa looked really good against UCF. That that's one of those you, you think, okay, they beat them last year. That was a little fluky, but there wasn't anything fluky about the, the way they beat them in Orlando. So uh, now they get the, the team that is probably favored to win the American coming to their place. And we'll see what Philip Montgomery and the, and the crew can do. Yeah. And, and let's just briefly talk about Friday night. Cause you've got BYU Houston, as we were just discussing, Houston is back in part of the season. BYU is a bit of a darling. I mean, I, I certainly am enjoying them. Zach Wilson's incredibly fun to watch. Um, that might end up being one of the best games of the weekend. I, I'm with you because this BYU team, I, I want to see them against somebody really good. We don't know how good Houston is yet, but given the excitement they had over the guys that were becoming eligible this year on this roster, they feel like they have a very talented roster. So this will be probably the closest BYU has seen to its own talent level in a game. And now we'll find out, okay, are they, are they really this good or is it who they've been playing? Because remember mm. when they played Navy, Navy hadn't even been hitting at practice. So this will be a, a lot better test for BYU. And look, if Zach Wilson slices and dices Houston secondary, I, I think BYU can beat just about anybody. Now, the question is, with their schedule, are they going to get the respect that they should get? I don't know. But I will be curious to see if BYU, if they can – keep winning like this could they be the highest ranked group of five team by the end now do you have to be a i'm trying to remember the rule do you have to be a champion so con- so they they would not count right because you have to be a conference so champion. they they would have to be an at-large selection which would be really hard really really hard but they did they they beefed up their schedule as much as they could i mean they're gonna have boise they're gonna have san diego state um you know, we'll see. Weirder things have happened, but yes, they are not eligible for that group of five champion spot. So, yeah, and, and in a normal year, you'd say, oh, and at large, maybe maybe a bowl says, yeah, let's do that because they want a big crowd, but that wouldn't be the New Year's Six. The New Year's Six is still dependent on where you get ranked by the committee. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. This is, this is going to be an interesting one, and I... I, we'll have to see how the committee handles BYU when they start doing rankings because you know they, they tend to stray from the AP and the coaches poll, especially when it comes to programs that don't play that strong of a schedule. Yes. They tend and, to punish you for your schedule. And, and we'll know soon because, I mean, there's not as many set of rankings this year, but 
we'll know based on the first one how they really feel about the Cougars. Last category for the weekend as we set it up. We're going to stick in the noon time slot, and let's just look at teams that need to avoid having a bad loss. Andy, which one jumps out at you absolutely needs to avoid? Auburn, because they probably should have lost to Arkansas, and they're going to South Carolina, and South Carolina desperately needs another win. They they got some confidence at Vandy, but they played a tight game against Tennessee. They were in the game against Florida late in the fourth quarter and, and mismanaged the clock. So they're, they're a kind of a cornered animal here. Auburn has to play well to win this game. And if Auburn doesn't win this game, people are going to be pretty mad because Auburn fans, while I'm sure they're happy that Auburn wound up beating Arkansas, they're not happy about the way it happened. And if you lose to South Carolina, they're, they're going to look at that Arkansas game as a loss anyway, just because they're going to be pretty mad. All right. So the one I'm circling here is Pitt at Miami. And now... Listen, I think we all talked ourselves into we're really hoping that Miami was going to put a scare into Clemson. Instead, Clemson just steamrolled Miami and looks Clemson-y. Um, <laughs> but, but listen, we're, we're, we, we didn't necessarily think Miami was going to you know, close that gap in, in, you know, that fast. But it, it's about building a program. It's about building a, um, a contender on a year-in, year-out basis. And you can't let that loss and the way it happened – roll into more and listen no, I'll, I'll do the old coach cliche don't let Clemson beat you twice can't, exactly can't do it exactly and as Andy is well versed in Pitt is a weird team they are always weird you don't say <laughs> they play one possession games always I mean it's it's like you can just pencil it in and um, they have good players it's not like they're a bunch of you know, guys that, that Pat Narduzzi collected off the street. Pitt has a bunch of NFL guys on the team. Yes. That's what makes all of their games so interesting because they can always play up when they're playing somebody that, that you think is better. Yes, and, you know, we've seen, we've seen the good of Kenny Pickett this year. We've seen that defensive front. Um, so I think that's kind of a tricky game. It's a home game for Miami, but you're coming off of a game that you are so up for. And you were really hoping to kind of, you know, make a statement with of like, you know, really where you were in your league, where you were in the national picture. Um, So to me, that's one that Miami absolutely has to avoid losing. I think you could also look at Tennessee, same thing, right? Coming off of a a loss in a moment where you were kind of, it's a measuring stick game against Georgia. You've got Kentucky at home. That one is also as well. That that noon slot, it has potential to get kind of as wacky as last week's did. So uh, keep an eye out, like get that, get that, uh, that remote control, get your fingers, you know, kind of get, get warmed up. Like you're going to be flipping around a lot. Yeah. Tennessee needs to win that game just so the, the momentum can continue that it's okay to lose to Georgia, but it's kind of the same thing with Miami and, and Clemson. You, you can't lose to them twice. The, the Miami thing's interesting because, you know, you talk about them getting up for that game. I am curious how up they were for that game. Either that, either the coaches or the players are both, knew that they didn't physically match up with Clemson mm-hmm. because you saw coming out of the gate, they weren't trying to run the ball with their backs. They only ended up, uh, I believe it was eight carries for 10 yards total or maybe 10 carries for eight yards. It was one of those for their three running backs combined. And that tells you they didn't think that they could block Clemson, which they couldn't. But I think they kind of knew what was coming. Uh, yeah. So I, I do wonder if Miami can bounce back from that a little better by understanding, okay, 
we're not there yet, but we can beat these guys. And, and we'll find out. The, the, the Tennessee thing, you know, they're playing an offense that's fairly one-dimensional, but they're really good at that dimension. Kentucky can run the ball really well. So can Tennessee hold up in the front seven and stop Kentucky's run game, force Terry Wilson to throw? Because if they can, they'll probably get in some good field position situations and the offense will be all right. But, yeah, you're right. you got to win that game to keep that momentum going. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting weekend. I mean, outside of the big game, which we obviously all will be watching, I, I do think we're going to learn a lot about, you know, were things that we've seen so far this season aberrations, or are they really just who these teams are? Um, and, you know, if, if, you're, if you're an LSU and, and you perform badly again, you know, that is, listen, it's not, I don't know if Coach O then becomes on the hot seat, but, like, it's getting warmer. I mean, you can't... He's not getting Gene Chizik, Nicole. I mean... They're not Gene Chizicking at Orgeron. It's not happening. Okay. All right. There, I'm just saying there actually is a president of this in the SEC with the example... The man could be the governor still of okay. Louisiana. All right. I'm just I, saying I, I, it gets uncomfortable. It gets uncomfortable, even if you did just win a national championship. Oh, I... You know, it's funny... As you're saying that, I'm like, no, no, no. And then I'm like, well, these are LSU fans. Yeah. I mean, and listen, and also it's a pandemic and, you know, but we have seen coaching changes in other sports. I mean, who knows? Who knows? This is all hard to predict, especially this year where, like, you really shouldn't be making decisions about buyouts and things like that. And yet people are already doing it. Except they're going to because they they can't help themselves. We can't help ourselves either. We're just making more and more podcasts. So next week. You'll get a a fresh episode of the Andy Staples Show on Wednesday, just like you do on Sunday mornings, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but you will get Power Hour as well. So make sure you get your your podcast clicking fingers ready, your subscribe fingers ready. Uh, We want those five-star reviews, and uh, Nicole is going to have a great show with a bunch of fun guests, and it's going to be outstanding. Like I said, every once in a while, please... Let me come on. Yes, of I course. I promise I will not try to eat mayonnaise. Well, that is the, that, that's what actually I'm going to run. Every guest is going to have to sign that piece of paperwork, that they will not eat mayonnaise on the air. But thank you. Excited to join the podcast network um, and to continue Power Hour. So be sure to check us out. All right. And I will be back with Ari Washman on Friday. We'll be talking some, uh, some numbers. We've given you some, some fairly good numbers. My uh, Believe in Pitt did not go well. I was punished for that, but remember how I told you to hammer the over on Florida, Texas A&M last week? Well, guess what? It came through. We'll give you another number like that on Friday. Talk to you then.